On this episode of Not With A Bang, we'll find out whether a fascist is someone who advocates for a totalitarian dictatorship or whether it's whatever someone you disagree with on the internet is. So don't touch that dial, mostly because this is a podcast and it doesn't have a dial. I have a dream. I had the best words. Not with a bang. World, world, world war three. Not with a bang. Under the doctrine of multiculturalism. Go back where you came from. Not with a bang. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards nuclear holocaust. Retreat from the world. Alternative facts. Alternative facts. Retreat from the world. Those who forget history are going to pee fine. Alternative facts. That is no such thing. The bang. I am becoming the despair of worlds. Retreat from the world. Well, it's not with the bang, the world's only podcast by white guys in their 20s. I'm Lance Turnbull, and joining me, as he never isn't, as seen on television's The Leak and stand-up comedy's The Stand-Up Comedy of Pat McCaffrey, <laughs> it's Pat McCaffrey! Oh, thank you, Lance. How are you? Bloody super good. Super good? Well, that's yeah. that's even better than normal. Uh, well, uh, last weekend, I uh, the personal story, last weekend, I went to my grandmother's 90th birthday, and it was a great day at the retirement village that she lives at. It was filled with friends and family, and everyone had a great time. Uh, but sadly, I myself was a little ill. I had a cold, uh, just a garden variety cold, you know, nothing terminal, just a cold. Um, but then, about halfway through the party, immediately after speeches, which were a heartfelt, loving tribute to a woman I deeply love and admire, my brother turned to me, and I was thinking maybe that he'd say something to reflect on the 90 years our grandmother has spent on this earth here, her impact on our lives and, and the lives of our families generally. But instead, he turned to me and said, Hey Pat, how guilty will you feel if any of the people who live in this retirement village die because you get a cold? <laughs> Keep things in perspective. Yeah. So this episode was a goddamn mess. We've been trying to record this over several days but crazy trump nonsense keeps happening so we're just recording it and it's going to be out of date by the time it goes out because maybe he'll be impeached who knows but let's do this but first let's look at australia which is especially convenient for me because it's just outside my window looking good australia we just had a federal budget over here in old Australia, where our treasurer, the Honourable ScoMo, announced that he'd like to test the sewage to find the best places to run random drug trials for welfare recipients. And there's no way that the reason for these tests has anything to do with ScoMo's supply. And even if it did, it wouldn't have anything to do with ScoMo taking drugs himself. But it would have everything to do with his anonymous press officer, Brennan James, who is an exclusive private schoolboy, Satanista, and total drug fiend. And for what it's worth, I mean, fiend in the worst sense of the word. I'm okay with our noble treasurer testing our poo for drugs as long as he has to do it personally. It's a hands-on job and I wouldn't trust it to anyone else. You've got to get your hands dirty sometimes in politics. You know, like you just have to get your hands dirty. <laughs> That's what they say. With other people's shit. <laughs> mostly, given Scott Morrison's job, mostly the shit on his hands is Joe Hockey's 2014 budget. But now, it's drug dealers. But I want to talk about something decidedly less important. 
Because a politician from Australia's Northern Territory, which I specify mostly to remind myself that that's a place, Jerry Wood has linked declining <laughs> tax revenue to slow population growth, which he then linked directly to abortion. During a parliamentary budget debate, he said, quote, We lose 600 to 1,000 people each year through abortion. If population is decreasing, so will the goods and services tax. Well, it makes sense to me, and I think the path forward is clear. The only problem I can foresee is after a few decades, after up to 1,000 new Northern Territorians have been born and the tax revenue problem has been completely solved, how are we going to fund the public services to support the population growth of up to 1,000 people? Well, I think the path forward is clear. After the year, say, 2035, we're going to have to mandate abortion for all women of childbearing age in the Northern Territory. It's only right. That is a gross thing to say, Lance. I mean, if you just change that to childbearing age in Queensland, I'd be totally for that. And next to France, where millions of French voters put down their briguettes, stopped cycling, and then poetried, I presume, to ballot boxes all over the country to cast a vote in their country's presidential election. And about... One million voters, or about 3% of the electorate, spoilt their ballots. And that number is higher than it's ever been. And that's remarkable to me, because that isn't people being so disengaged that they don't leave the house to vote. That's people being so disengaged that they bother to leave the house just to draw a dick on a ballot paper that's jizzing into the faces of Marine Le Pen and Emmanuel Macron, as if to say, hey, French politicians, listen up, go fuck yourselves. That is remarkable. And like, Emmanuel Macron, the 39-year-old granny snatcher and person who history will remember as one of the dominoes that didn't fall over on the way to the end of the world, won a decisive victory over Marine Le Pen, a woman who comes closer to the dictionary definition of spawn of Satan than is comfortable. And that's because her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, was the leader of the National Front, and he's previously called for interning anyone infected with HIV, complained that there are too many non-white players in the French soccer team, and amongst a cornucopia of anti-Semitic statements, he once made a pun about, quote, crematory ovens. All class. Jean-Marie Le Pen was actually expelled from the party by his daughter in August 2015 after again remarking that the Holocaust was a quote, detail of history. Yeah, pretty important detail though, you know, like that's the sort of detail that's important to remember, like, you know, your partner's birthday or September 11 or if they happen to be the same date, just September 11, because that's the only one you really need to remember. Anyway, his exculpation by the party, though, was part of Marine Le Pen's effort to, and I quote here, soften the party's xenophobic image. Because here's the thing, she doesn't want to actually kill off the xenophobic image entirely, just soften it up, you know, so straight out racism is out, casual racism is in, you know, no more anti-Semitism, just casual comments about the banking system and the Rothschilds family. And after the presidential election, there will be parliamentary elections next month, and Emmanuel Macron needs to get his candidates elected in order to get his program into place. But it turns out Macron might not have been great at vetting candidates in the first place. Because of the 200 candidates that they've put forward for the election, Macron's party admits that at least five have been included by mistake. What do you mean you've nominated a candidate by mistake? <laughs> What's his explanation there? Oh, oh, uh, Jacob. No, no, he's not meant to be there. I mean, look, this is slightly embarrassing, but 
I was wasted the other night. My friends and I were playing that game, Fuck, Marry, Kill, and I accidentally got those people confused with the candidates list, and, and that's meant to be Jean, and she was the kill option, but, but only because her hardline position on the Israeli-Palestinian border would make a two-state solution practically impossible, and and because the other person involved was Philippe, and he is marriage material. I mean, I mean, he knows how to cook with figs. Are you kidding me? Of course I'm taking that. God, he probably knows things about wine and the theatre. And then, what is Le Pen planning now, Maureen Le Pen? Well, well, Le Pen said the National Front would undergo a, quote, profound transformation after the election, with a top aide suggesting that its name will likely change. <laughs> oh, so, so that profound then. Sort of like, you know, how Andrew G found himself and changed his name to Osher. You know, that's, that's profound. Basically, the National Front is going to go through the sort of profound change that a 19-year-old experiences after a gap week to Thailand one time. Fantastic. You're listening to Not With A Band, the podcast that James Comey will listen to now that he has a lot of free time. Not With A Band. Well, it's Trump time. But let's start with a diversion to North Korea, a nice country where everybody has enough to eat. And then in brackets on my script here, I've written satire. <laughs> the North Korean government says that they're open to meeting with the Trump administration for security and weapons negotiations if, quote, the conditions are set. And a U.S. State Department spokesperson says America would also be open to talks if North Korea, quote, ceases all its illegal activities and aggressive behavior in the region which they may well do, just as soon as they finish up with the missile testing that they were doing on the weekend. The official White House statement on the missile launch said, quote, With the missile impacting so close to Russian soil, the president cannot imagine that Russia is pleased. And it's nice to see that he's thinking of his comrades over in Russia, who were probably on his mind because he'd just met with a couple of them last week, where he reportedly just told them some highly classified counterterrorism intelligence. Now, it's important to note that as the president, Donald Trump does have the authority to declassify government secrets, which is presumably what he was doing when he boasted, I get great intel. I have people brief me on great intel every day to Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia. The information, which was about a suspected ISIS plot, was apparently considered so sensitive that details were restricted within the US government itself. Oh, well, it's not like the foreign minister of Russia would have any interest in the activities of a terrorist organization in Syria. Now, H.R. McMaster, who, in addition to being his own pen name for a young adult fantasy novel series about a shy but precocious boy who must gather his courage and save a far-off medieval kingdom from a terrible wizard with the help of a long-thought extinct dragon who teaches him the true meaning of friendship, is Trump's national security advisor and said the whole thing was fake news. I was in the room. It didn't happen, he said in a statement, before saying that actually it did happen but that sources or methods for the intel weren't discussed, which is not actually what anyone was concerned about. Nice try, McMaster. I think you're totally wrong. I think, I think you're almost right about the second half, but McMaster is the bad guy in an Agatha Christie Poirot novel. You know, like, that's, he, that's what he is. He, he's the guy who's living in a small village in the middle of England who just happens to like killing, I don't know, 27-year-old maids. That's, that's what H.R. McMaster is. Uh, according to an anonymous U.S. official, quote, it's far worse than what has already been reported. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. That's, thank God. <laughs> I mean, I, here I was worried it was bad, but thank God it's worse than I'd even thought. 
But that statement was given to BuzzFeed, and so I was going to read more into it, but unfortunately I was distracted by a link in the sidebar titled, Answer Seven Questions and We'll Tell You Which Guy from Teen Wolf You Should Marry. It was Theo, by the way. Oh, there goes my phone. Uh, oh, and uh, now Trump has just tweeted that he did say that stuff to Lavrov and Kisilyak, and that he totally meant to, and it was all part of that plan, and he didn't just do it because he's a big baby that can't keep his stupid orange face shut. Classified intelligence and gas aren't the only things leaking from the Trump administration this week either, with Trump aide and longtime bodyguard Keith Schiller accidentally revealing the phone number of Defense Secretary James Mattis in a photo sent to the press. The photo showed Schiller walking with the president around the White House grounds while carrying a stack of papers. On that stack of papers, a yellow sticky note reportedly listed Mattis's name and personal phone number. And I think the only logical thing for people to do now is to bombard Mattis's phone with photographs of their penis. Or, actually, actually, it'd be even funny if they just sent Mattis messages pretending to be Donald Trump. So actually, yeah, yeah just send through photographs of your penis. That, that's exactly what Donald Trump would do to his defense secretary, James Mattis. Yeah, I imagine that's uh, that's pretty much his modus operandi. That's the reason Sean Spicer wants out, basically, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's why he looks so distressed in those in those press briefings. <laughs> How is the thumb not as big as the head? I don't even know. You're listening to Not with a Bang, the podcast that Donald Trump will listen to when he gets some of that much deserved free time. To Zimbabwe, where President Robert Mugabe has recently been the subject of fierce criticism. Now. Robert Mugabe is a used band-aid of a human being, in that he's a military strongman, come brutal dictator, who's completely failed the citizens of Zimbabwe who experience unbelievable rates of poverty. And he is infamously on the record drawing a positive comparison between himself and Hitler. Yes, that Hitler. The one you think of first. Not his cousin, Frieda Hitler, who owned a French patisserie. The other one. The one that owned the French. For a while. That one. Right? So what's this Robert Mugabe been up to? Has he been forcing poor Zimbabweans to stand outside his residence and watch him half-eat a nutritious meal before incinerating the leftovers? Or does he force Zimbabweans to stand outside his residence and watch him burn pumpkin and pancetta risotto, feed it to his dog, and then start again? Or has he been using the heads of starved Zimbabwean schoolchildren as soccer balls? Or burning piles of money to heat his hot tub? Well, it turns out none of those things. He's been falling asleep at public events. I, I like that you put together an exhaustive list there of possibilities. You've done your research and I appreciate that. <laughs> well, look, I'm not going to say this exhaustive. I'm just going to say that's some of the options. Right? <laughs> They're most of the options. And look, he's been falling asleep at public events, which for a 93-year-old man is not surprising. But... What really makes this story is the defense of Robert Mugabe that was offered by his spokesperson, who has done an amazing job of working for and humiliating Robert Mugabe at the same time, and who is now presumably dead. Because George Charamba told the state-owned Herald newspaper that Mr. Mugabe is not sleeping, but in fact, protecting his eyes from bright lights. <laughs> George Taramba was quoted by the state-owned Herald newspaper as saying that Mr. Mugabe travels regularly to Singapore to receive specialised treatment for an eye condition. He added that, and I quote, The rest of his body gets attended to in Zimbabwe by a physician who is not only Zimbabwean, but is actually black. Wow. Okay. Uh, first of all, 
I think Mugabe is having an affair. Because going to Singapore that often for an eye condition is suspicious. I bet there's a Frida Mugabe somewhere who owns a Singaporean pastisserie. But secondly, actually black? Okay, George, you can tone down the racism towards white doctors, okay? Right? White people problems are still problems. But the last thing this raises, right, is a tricky issue for the Robert Mugabe man himself, because it's a little awkward to be the president of a country who doesn't get medical treatment in the country he's in charge of. You know, like, hospitals are your responsibility, Robert, and you're basically saying, look, I know I work here, but that doesn't mean I have to like the place. You know, that's like if the CEO of Coke was caught drinking Pepsi. He's basically doing the retweets do not equal endorsements, but in a medical and literal death sense. But he is actually black, though, so. <laughs> he gets off. Yeah, 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 he's fine. You're listening to Not With A Bang, and Not With A Bang is listening to you. I like to think, anyway. Let's go back to some slightly older Trump scandal news now, as in still within the last week, because this is the world we live in now. So Donald Trump, we all know, fired the FBI director, James Comey. What we don't know, though, is how I should feel about this. Because as a leftist social justice warrior cuck who likes men that aren't me to have sex with my wife while I watch and cry, I feel like I should hate James Comey because of how he said true facts about Hillary Clinton at an inopportune time during the US election last year. But on the other hand... I hate Donald Trump because he has a big dumb dumb head and he smells. And therefore, how could he do that to my best friend, James Comey? What it looks like is that Trump fired him because he was heading up an investigation into the Trump campaign's ties to a Russian effort to sway the outcome of the election in his favour. And if it is for that reason, why? It's not as though all FBI operations cease when you fire its leader. The FBI isn't a zombie where you cut off its head and the rest is no longer a threat to you. You don't know that. You don't know that. <laughs> that that could be exactly what Trump is going for. Just cut off the head of the snake and all of a sudden there is no more FBI. Well, we haven't done the experiment. Do we know do we know that James Comey's head still exists? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Well, exactly. Exactly. Does it exist then? No. This is all very confusing. So I'm just going to go over what I can piece together of this. And this is by no means thorough. So the original story that Press Secretary Sean Spicer lied at us was that Trump fired Comey on the recommendation of Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who recommended that Trump fire Comey because of the concerns of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Now, this is the same Jeff Sessions that had recused himself from any investigations into Russian connections because he was caught lying under oath about meeting with the Russians during the election, which is presumably a wacky coincidence. But then Deputy Attorney General, or DAG, Rod Rosenstein, was apparently outraged that Trump had used his concerns as the justification for firing James Comey, which I feel like he should just chill out about because clearly it was a lie anyway. And besides, Rod Rosenstein is a funny name, so we can all enjoy that. Wait, please tell me that Jeff Sessions' job title isn't Federal Attorney General because that's that's not an acronym I'm comfortable with at all. But then separately from Sean Spicer, because let's face it, they don't talk much, Trump told reporters that it was, quote, because he wasn't doing a very good job. Very simple, he wasn't doing a very good job. Very simple, which is why Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders then said that James Comey committed, quote, 
atrocities in his investigations into Hillary Clinton's email stuff, which is like so 2016. Who can even remember all that junk? But then, later in the week, Trump went on NBC News and said that he was going to fire Comey regardless of anyone's recommendation. The interview then reminded him of his own words where he said in his letter firing Comey, quote, I accept their recommendation. But never mind that blatant hypocrisy, because then Trump decided to just admit to doing it for exactly the reasons he obviously did it for, but shouldn't admit to, saying, quote, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. So, hope that clears things up for you. I mean, it, it cleared things up quickly. Um, yeah, that is, that is ridiculous. I think fundamentally my question at the end of all of this is, how many people in America can Donald Trump put out of a job? You know, like, first of all, Russian hackers, tick. They are no more useful. He does their job for them. You know, forget it. They are the borders of the book industry to Trump's Amazon. Um, because seemingly the pattern is that Trump says something, then his staff says something inconsistent with what Trump said, and then Trump throws those staff under the bus by completely contradicting them. And how can anyone actually think it is a good idea to work in this White House? Because there are reports now that Trump wants to replace his press secretary, Sean Spicer, with Fox News host Kimberly Guilfoyle, because she's born in the USA, uh, who has touted herself as a replacement. And, like, the obvious question is, first, why would anyone want to get their fingerprints all over this potential impeachment-shaped train wreck? But, like, secondly, I think the only way you convince yourself to jump on board is that you think you will be so much better than the previous employee that you will be fine. And you won't. And I thought that reflected that these people must be absolute psychopaths, but I actually think it's exactly the sort of level of self-delusion that Trump probably admires. Yeah. And we did not cover half of the Trump stuff that has come out in the last couple of days. By the time this episode goes out... All of this will be redundant. Either because far more dramatic things have happened or we'll all be dead. We'll all have just died. Well, maybe Mike Pence will have replaced President Trump and, you know, Chechnya will now be leading the United Nations. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard anything notable about them lately. (laughs) No, sir. I mean, it's funny, but it's terrifying. Not with a bang. All right, so that's that episode. Got anything to plug? No. <laughs> cool. Me neither. Listen to this podcast. Tell your friends. Yeah. Um, so please do rate us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to do. Helps us go in the store. Helps people to find the show. That'd be so nice. You don't have to. You don't have to do it, but I'd like you to, and you should. And if you don't, I hate you. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and that's it. That's all. The end. Okay, bye. Done. Not with a bang. Your audio guide to the end of the world. 